Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week's guest is Helen Stacey, Managing Director and Founder of Aspire, a boutique recruitment agency based in Dorset. Helen has over 30 years of experience in this sector and set up Aspire to stand out from the crowd and align her business with her own personal values. Her career includes building what was at the time the largest independently owned recruitment agency on the South Coast and growing it from nothing in 1999 to a turnover of over £13 million with five offices and 70 staff at its peak. I've known Helen for 23 years and it was therefore special to sit down with her for the simple purpose of learning about her entrepreneurial journey and hearing about the joys and challenges of her career as well as her ambitions for the future. Amongst other topics during the course of our conversation, Helen recalls reluctantly selling her first business as a result of the 2008 financial crisis and the important lessons she learned from that experience. She talks about her ethos behind setting up Aspire, reflects on the impact of her entrepreneurism on her personal life, and naturally discusses the ever-changing landscape of recruitment. It's a deep, honest, and insightful conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Helen, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks, Warren. Thank you for asking me. It's going to be great to have this conversation with you today. You're going to talk about all things recruitment, your experience in recruitment, your starting a high growth business, the exit and demise of that business and now what you're up to. But also during the course of the conversation, I'm sure we're going to discuss what's happening in the recruitment market and touch on your expertise, but also your commitment to the business community as a whole. So there's a whole raft of things we're going to cover, Helen, but I suppose we should start with recently celebrated as i understand it over 30 years in the recruitment industry yep so how did you get into recruitment in the first place let's go right back right so i did a hotel and catering management course at bournemouth and pool college i chose that because back in the day you could only go to brock from from ringwood and I didn't want to go to Brockenhurst College because at the time it felt too much like school. So I chose a course deliberately <laughs> that was at, not at Brock and that I could only do it at Bournemouth. So hotel and catering management course, did that. When I did my work experience in a hotel in Bournemouth for a couple of weeks and absolutely just didn't like the people that I work with, okay. actually. So the job itself was okay. And I obviously realised it was shifts and that kind of thing. But I came out of it and thought, nah. That's I don't not want to me. do this. <laughs> and I left college on the Friday and I literally thought, if I don't have a job by Monday, my parents are going to be kicking me out. And I didn't know what an employment agency was. And I walked across the road to what was Alfred Marks back in the day at the Lansdowne. 
And I walked in as a scruffy student and they got me a job in Ringwood on the Monday as a receptionist. In recruitment? No, as a temp job. Actually working for Andy Price when he had his advertising agency. And I swear, I only got it because I was the only person that could get there. And I remember them vividly saying to me, you are going to be smart, aren't you? And I was like, yes, I'll be smartly dressed. And I tempted them for about six months and then thought, well, I better get a proper job. And I went for an interview with another agency locally to be a receptionist for them in the agency didn't get it and Alfred Marks then got wind and offered me a role and that was it was off and I literally started kind of typing CVs and temps timesheets on an old manual typewriter you know and as soon as you made a mistake you were like oh god get the colour tipex out so yeah that's how I started wow 1988 98 long time ago Did you ever dream you'd still be in recruitment 30 years No. Later? Dream? Nightmare? I'm not sure, but no, of course not. No. And obviously, those early years at well, Alfred Marks were successful for you. You, you know, built sort of a career there, you know, worked your way through, I assume. Yeah. Um, to your running a desk or, or whatever the term would have been in those times. But then in 1999, you made the choice... With two others to start your own business. Well, actually, it was was two others, but someone different from Paul. So when I'd started working for Alfred Marks, it was a franchise. And very, very successful franchise. of five franchises locally. They sold it back to Adeco. And it was fine. And Adeco are good, you know, one of the world's largest agencies. But the way it was handled at the time was dreadful from the head office. And the mistakes that were happening at head office... And we kind of, Dave and I talked about leaving with Joe, who was our area manager at the time. Oh, okay. She then fell pregnant, so obviously wasn't going to leave. They then offered me her job um, as a regional manager. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I'm leaving to set up on my own. Because I was like, oh, well, I'm really honest. And, um, and they were like, you're mad. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, I don't think I am. But I think it was, we talked about it for at least a year. And I was kind of really nervous of doing it because I lived on my own had a, what I thought was a big mortgage back then. You kind of look back, don't you, and laugh. But <laughs> big do. mortgage on my own and thought, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then I vividly remember a Friday afternoon, a client ringing us, ringing me as branch manager and saying, you can pull all your temps out, about 10 of them. And I'm like, sorry, what, what have we done wrong? And he's like, I've had a legal letter from your head office and we've paid our bill and I'm not having it. And I was like, do you know what? Yeah. I can do this better myself. That was the final straw. So literally said to Dave, I'm in. And then he'd introduced me to Paul because they were really good friends outside of work. And kind of, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. So it wasn't like an instant thing. It was a long time no, of long coming time. and building. And... Yeah, because we'd been talking about what potential clients might come. Obviously, we had restrictive covenants. Yeah. And we were really kind of mindful of not, um, not, breaching those and also back in the day in 1999 there weren't the amount of agencies locally mm. that there are now so yeah. it was predominantly made up of the big nationals um with a with a couple of smaller ones like karen and ash had then become rubicon um excel employ um yeah so it was kind of like it was but david then said to me i am off right. and i'm like oh, okay decision moment yeah and then we staggered it so paul was out of recruitment he set it up we set up from his house in Hamble. We then moved to Dave's back bedroom in Dorchester <laughs> and then his lounge. And then while well, we went to get into our premises in Paul. But, you know, for cash flow, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have the cash. No. It's, it, I think we invested five 
five grand each to set it up in fifteen grand. It was it was back in the day. It was it was a lot. Of money. And do you remember those early days and what it really Com- felt like? Completely. And when we moved into the offices in Pool, um, and we dec- my mum and dad came help decorate them of a weekend and. Yeah, it was really exciting. And we took on our first member of staff, and then we took on another member of staff, and then it it just grew really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that was probably luck with the timing. Okay. Um, but also you have a youthful energy at 29 years old yeah. that perhaps don't have so much now. And you have a confidence that you can do it. Yeah. And we weren't going to breach any of our contract, you know, our covenants. And I remember... We had a few temps out because Dave did technical recruitment and obviously I did industrial. So the kind of stack it high, sell them cheap type Tesco value model, I guess, where it's, you know, factory staff and get me 50 people tomorrow. And you're like, okay. Um, But I remember ringing a client and I just happened to hit it right. Electronics company down in pool that don't exist anymore. And we suddenly had 30 people in there and it kind of just really took off. Right, it was just that instant kind of like. But I remember taking our business plan while I was still at Adeco to a very valued big client of ours, an MD. And showing it to him because I had no idea you know we'd written these figures we're like oh these are a bit pie in the sky can we do it and it said we were going to do a million pound turnover in our first year and he laughed at me he said don't be so ridiculous come back to me in a year and let me know what you've done I remember going back in a year and going there you go we've done 1.3 and he was like wow but yeah growing turnover is is fairly easy I guess yeah it's not necessarily about that is it no it's not always about the turnover it's about the profitability exactly. and the cash generation and perhaps exactly we'll come on to that and do you do you because i mean you, you built a brand very quickly mm. and do you remember how and why you did that and yeah. was that very purposeful very purposeful because the whole aim was to build the business and sell it okay. that was the whole aim we were getting get out yeah and but over a period of time maybe maybe 10 years yeah um and we were we were really, really, you know, we kind of chose the names specifically to go in radio advertising and, you know, strap lines and stuff like that. We got PR agency involved fairly, fairly quickly. Um, so Ellsworth Fleming and they were kind of with us pretty much right through to, to the end. Um, and they helped. Yeah, you know, we were. We were in the press a lot and yeah, I kind of became the public face of it whether I wanted to or not. Um but yeah, it was exciting. And we had, we built, and people still say to me now, you know, friends that used to work with me, we had this great culture and it was very much smart against the rest of the recruitment world. Okay. And that sounds really cheesy. Sort of them and us. Yeah, it was thing. almost. And because they, we ended up with five offices across sort of Dorset and Somerset, but, and they would compete with each other for figures and stuff like that. Yeah. But actually it was very much all, all for one type yeah. thing. Um, and yeah, we had a, we had a brilliant... On the whole, you know, you make mistakes, don't you? Yeah, but we had a brilliant team. We all team. Learn, don't we? Oh, yeah, completely. But, um, yeah. And when you look back, what's, what's the, your overriding moment of joy in Smart? Oh, my life. I think that first year of being able to go back and go, actually, yeah. look at this. I think when we acquired two businesses in 2004, so we bought an agency in Christchurch, and then we were looking to open in Yeovil, I remember us walking the streets, the three of us kind of looking up at premises and stuff, couldn't find anything. And um, we'd helped an agency that had a branch in Bridgewater and they had a branch in Yeovil and they want to offload Yeovil and we kind of took it and that's still the only smart branch that's going wow. now. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's quite, that was really yeah. sort of quite a proud moment. It was like, well, we've bought two businesses, now what? Yeah. And was owning a business and running a business what you anticipated <laughs> it to have been, having been that kind of employee before? 
it's tough and it's a really hard transition mm. and you learn a lot well you should learn a lot um yeah i mean it was it was great fun we had moments of high stress um i remember the first time paul did the payroll and the first time he went on holiday dave and i missed the deadline for getting the money to the bank by about a minute and we only had about 50 temps out at the time and we had to literally go into NatWest and sit in NatWest and make up cash pay packets to deliver to people because we couldn't afford not to pay them because no, they're getting paid weekly and you lose them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, of course, it's, you don't you don't envisage setting up a business and doing stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's on the whole, you look back and you remember hopefully the good stuff. Yeah. You know, there's some other stuff in there which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I think it was... I'm not sure that I was necessarily destined to be an employee forever yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all if that's the route people go down and we and we you know we need employees obviously we need yeah. people that just want to do that job and go home but um yeah it was tough because you know I was living on my own and you didn't want to worry your parents so much about talking about it yeah um and, and also things happen that are out of your control you know I remember when 9-11 hit we've been going for about two years and most of our tent business was in the aviation sector and it just Disappeared. Disappeared overnight. Yeah. And you can't foresee that. Um, no. So, yeah, gosh, you learn a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose around that, you know, we kind of, you went through that rapid growth, you're winning awards, you're doing all of those things. Um, and then some challenges did come, didn't they? Some <laughs> headwinds did come. They certainly did. Um, and do you remember time when it shifted or do you... Yeah. So we were going great guns. We tried to open a branch in Exeter and recruited totally the wrong person and actually had, and this is not a blame thing, but it allowed one of our business partners to kind of take ownership of that and he didn't. We literally opened it and shut it within a few weeks. So that was 2007. And then I remember Rachel, who was our HR director at that time, was getting married in in the August and getting up in the morning. It was a beautiful morning and switching on the TV and foot and mouth had hit. I didn't really think very much about it. The next thing I know, my phone goes and it's Dave, foot and mouth's hit and our biggest client was an abattoir in Yeovil yeah. and we had 300 odd temps in there and he's like, we've got to pull everybody out and well, yeah, I mean, cash flow just yeah. went yeah. And, and at that point, Lehman Brothers had gone, you know, it was the start That's, of that yeah. downturn and yeah, it was, it was tough. I remember getting to the January and we asked all of our branch managers to write their targets and normally they'd write them, you know little bit fluid yeah. and we were like they can't be fluid they need to be worst case like absolute yeah, what can you what, really what you deliver? write is yeah. what you've got to deliver and um yeah it was yeah it was horrible and by that stage we'd had a falling out with with dave um yeah so paul and i were kind of running it he was off with stress which kind of look back now and i was quite dismissive of it at the time because it was our own business yeah. and it was like you we're, we're trying to keep this business afloat yeah um and you you're just off swanning about yeah. as I saw it at the time. And, you know, times change, don't they? But, yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So the three became two. Yeah. And it then became very divisive. He then wanted to come back. It's actually easier without him. Um, and this is, not a, this is not a personal attack on Dave because, you know, I'm sure he's got his own story to tell. But we kind of had that conversation. And because there's always been three of us, we'd had the rule right from when we set up that it was... We always went with the two against one. Yeah. So whoever was the one had to tow along the company line and he'd started not doing that and 
you know, people would come in for pay rises and he'd go, oh, Helen and Paul don't think you should have it, but I do. Right. You'd become very divisive. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember having a conversation with him and I said to Paul, I'll leave the conversation because you always do it. And I think because Dave and I had worked together for so long previously, I just said to him, you can't, you can't come back like you have. It's all hands to the pump. We are working from seven in the morning till ten at night to make this survive. And he didn't want to do it. No. So... It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because that dynamic between the three of you must have worked really well at the start. Yeah, different did. skill sets, yeah, different course. personalities. Absolutely. But it is difficult when those partnerships then start to break, break down. down. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, God, him and I, my mum, when I set the business up with him, was like, what are you doing? You, you argue with him all the time because he ran the technical branch of Alfred Marx, I ran the industrial, and then I'd find temps on his sheet that should be mine. And I'm like, hold on a second. Because <laughs> we were both so competitive. It was yeah. like, stop nicking my business. But it did work well for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. You had a great success. I mean, turnover was 12, 13 yeah. million and it, pound plus. Yeah. And but like we said, you know, turnover is yeah. is vanity and profit is sanity. And, the, and, the, and the, the problem that we had was, and when I said this a few weeks ago at a Dorset Chamber event, there was a very large, sharp intake of breath. And there probably will be when I'm about to say it now. But we didn't save our VAT money mm. and our PAYE money. And... We used that to reinvest, to grow, and that was all fine, whilst business is good. Yeah, well, business is growing and yeah. you're generating cash, yeah. you can use that as cash flow. as soon as you have a quarter where you've had 300 attempts a week laid off, yeah. and you get to January to pay your VAT bill and you can't pay it, it's not quite so good. No. Um, yeah, and I, you know, we then we then had to put personal guarantees in, yeah. um, which was horrendous, but we were like, yeah, okay, we can turn this around. We then got an offer to buy the business. And I remember Paul and I sitting in a coffee shop in Bournemouth and going, actually, I think we can turn this around. So that was about March uh, 2008. And um, and by then, the whole world had just yeah, kind of crashed. And we literally went back to the people, to Wise, and said, do you want to take it off our hands within about six weeks? And literally, that's... So the, the PR that yeah. went out went on it was that it had been sold for an undisclosed sum. The undisclosed sum was zero. <laughs> um, but all our temps got paid which was a lot. We had yeah. seven, 800 temps out and all of our staff, more importantly, yeah. got paid and kept their so jobs. The morale, yeah. the moral thing was you yeah. did the right thing by your clients. Yeah, and your absolutely. Team. And absolutely. that was, for me personally, that was a biggie. Yeah. And actually that repaid itself some months later when they then, our credit control team, were then collecting in our the old yeah. debt and were told not to kind of focus on that, but... Behind the scenes were like, you're not, you're not losing your house with a personal guarantee, yeah. none of you, over this. So you kind of get what you, yeah. what you say, don't you, I and think? You, you've got to live life, haven't you, through those things. And I would resonate with that, is that you build a business, particularly in a business services world where it's about the client delight and the services Completely. you give your client and the loyalty you have to them. But that loyal, you only can succeed delivering services if you've got a great team yeah. that believe in you and trust in you. Yeah. And if they'd have done that and they'd been on that journey with you, and some of them, I assume, for that whole yeah. nine, ten year journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, and it's not just the front facing team that were, you know, out seeing the clients and f- doing the recruitment. No. It's that back office team Absolutely. of payroll. And we'd made a very deliberate decision when we set up the business to keep payroll internally at all times because if we cocked up, yeah. we could then control it. Yeah. So the instance with the bank was quite a good example. But um, yeah. It, yeah, it was it was it was horrendous, and then, of course, the business got taken over. They decided they didn't need to keep Dave, so he went. Um, Paul at that point was MD, and I was sales and marketing director. 
where there was no need for an MD, obviously. So no. after kind of eight weeks, he we knew that he would be gone. And they wanted to keep me at that time, but it was hideous. Mm. And whilst I realised it wasn't my business, I couldn't even, back in the day of writing cheques, I couldn't even write a cheque for 15 quid to go to a chamber lunch without ringing an FD in Swindon to get it authorised. And I'm like, this is just ridiculous. And also, I wasn't in the best headspace. No. You know? Um... So I, yeah, I, it was it was horrible, and I took the decision actually after about three months that I just didn't want to do it. This I couldn't work in what was my yeah. business that wasn't anymore. Yeah, through those reasons. Yeah, through those circumstances. Yeah, it wasn't like you chosen yeah. to yeah. kind of. Um, well, I suppose we had chosen it, but not you know. Um, yeah, and I gave my notice in, and I worked my notice, and I came out of recruitment <laughs> vowing never to go back into it. And that was two thousand and eight. <laughs> Here we are, twenty twenty three. <laughs> oh, 15 years later. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I hope you don't mind, but it would be interesting just to explore. When you reflect back now, how did that experience affect you and how has it changed you as a oh person? Um, I was always the least risky out of the three of us. So I'm, you probably know this, Warren, from the past. I'm quite risk adverse. Dave would probably be somewhere in the middle and Paul, Paul was probably at the other end. And the three of us work really well together. And I think what it's done and what it's done for me setting up Aspire Jobs is I am very cautious. Yeah. And I was always like that. I didn't, you know, my personal life, I don't necessarily spend money that I don't have. I think, yeah, it was tough. I took time out. Um, I remember going to the chamber offices and one of the members of staff saying to me, I'd been out of, out of the business for a couple of months. It was just before Christmas. And she said to me, you look so much healthier. And mm. I said, I, I don't understand what you mean. I look in the mirror and just yeah, see what I see. <laughs> yeah. And she said, oh, my God, you were grey. You lost loads of weight. You look so much better. Uh, and I was like, you don't, you just don't necessarily see it, do you? You no. just... Um, and then I was like, well, I need to earn money. Yeah. Because obviously there wasn't this big pot of money that I'd suddenly um, been given. And I came out of recruitment and set up a different business. But wrong time, I think. Mm. And... I carried on kind of spending the money. I had savings. I kind of carried on with the lifestyle almost as if I was yeah. still earning the big bucks. And then got to a point in the summer, I was like, uh, okay, this isn't going to work. And check. I, yeah. I need to go and get a job. And I went and got a job working for someone else within recruitment, which was kind of weird, mm. really weird. But a lot of my old staff were there. So that was quite cool. And I did 10 months and then unexpectedly got let go. And I mean unexpectedly. And I remember going to see my parents who were out in Cyprus and texting my mum and saying, I don't have a job for the first time since I was about 15. And she's like, well, come for longer. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go on. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying to me, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't really know, Dad. I, I, I By this stage, I did have a whacking great mortgage. And um, I was on my own. And I was like, I, the only thing I know is recruitment. And I'd always said I never wanted to do permanent recruitment because it was too slow. Mm. Um, but I couldn't set up a temp business without the cash. And um, you can't do temp and perm together if it's just you. It's too, it's too, it's too bitty. So I set up in January 2011 with Aspire wow. Jobs. Yeah, just me. And actually worked from friends' offices who were really kind and gave me kind of three months for free because I didn't want to work from home, yeah. living on my own. And um, I ended up staying there for about four or five years, paying the rent eventually. Um, and then when they needed the room back, that's kind of when I moved. I moved to another little office in Christchurch and then moved moved to the offices in Ringwood. Wow. Yeah. 
And how did it feel starting Aspire? Was uh, it a means to an end, or were you excited about starting Aspire as you had been starting Smart? It's probably a bit of both. Okay. Um, I needed to I needed to earn some money. Yeah. And um, but I I also set up kind of our ethos and, and I guess my values are it's got to be professional, but it's got to be fun. Work's got to be fun. Mm. And you've got to choose your moments when you have that fun, obviously. But life is hard enough as it is, yeah. as we all know. And um, so, yeah, I was excited. And also I was kind of like, do you know what? I think recruitment had moved on so much by then. And there were so many other agencies out there. And a lot of people had left big agencies and gone and set up on their own and done very well. And you had a lot of one-man bands. And I was like, I can do this better. Yeah. And it's... Which is a great starting point to start yeah, any business, isn't completely. it? Is that belief that yeah. actually, I know this industry, I can do it well, yeah. I can do it better. Yeah, and it was scary. I didn't bill for three months because that's the nature of permanent recruitment because mm. people got give notice. And I got to the end of March, April time, and I was like, can, can I do this? Maybe maybe I'm not cut out to do permanent recruitment. Yeah. Maybe I'm only good at temps. Maybe my clients have kind of forgotten me. And then I just kind of made a couple of small placements and it just kind of started. Yeah. Um and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I deliberately set Aspire up as a very different business to Smart. I yeah. didn't want a big business. I think if I was still in Smart now, I would love it because I did love it. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't miss the stress of it at all and the cash flow issues and all of that. But yeah, it was very much deliberate to keep it smaller and to kind of have a better work-life balance, I guess. Yeah, just get some perspective. Yeah, completely. Because work was my life. and. Yeah. I was. I said at the, the the chamber event, I was probably seen as a little bit of a girl about town. I was in you know society all the time, and friends' husbands. You say, oh my god, she's not in it this month, and because <laughs> you'd go, you'd be invited to stuff, and you'd go because that's where clients were or potential yeah, clients. Yeah, that's where the opportunities and, were. Yeah. You know, when you're single, doesn't matter whether you're out at breakfast and then at a sporting dinner in the evening and getting home at midnight because yeah. there's no one there. Whereas I kind of like actually I don't I don't need to be doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very different mindset. And I mean, I suppose you've really touched on it there. But that having do a bit starting the business at twenty nine, you talk quite openly that at the time you were single and all of that. Mm. Do you think the smart experience did impact on your personal Com- life? Yeah, completely. Look, I don't have kids. Some of that is possibly a life choice, but I never thought I would grow older and not have children. Yeah, especially as a woman. And but I never. <laughs> I never met the right person at the right time. And I had relationships, obviously, but they didn't really go much past a year. No. Um, And, yeah, work work definitely was kind of like... And also, when you're you're kind of perceived to be successful... I remember going out with a guy who was quite a bit younger than me, and my mum saying to me, you need to let him pay. And I was like, but I am more than he does, and it doesn't matter. And she's like, but it matters to him. Mm. And I never really thought about it. Yeah. so yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, a bit old-fashioned, perhaps now. But yeah, but back in the day. Back in the day. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, de- it definitely had an impact. Yeah. yeah. And do I look back and regret? I don't. I don't think you should have regrets because you can't change what's gone. What you can do is learn from it. And actually, yeah. I've got two great nephews. Um, I've got two amazing stepdaughters who are grown up and I've got an amazing grandson now yeah. so do you know what I mean I wouldn't necessarily have had I that I lived and learned through the experience yeah. and met your husband James yeah exactly and, and we 
you know, anybody listening to this that knows me will laugh about the holidays and the travelling that we do. But for me, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later, it's about doing the things now while you have your health that you can afford to do while still trying to save some yeah. for later. Still got a plan um, for the future. Yeah, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I had a young family. No. And I probably would never have set the business up. I was I was supposed to get married in 1997 and it never happened. And I think if, if I had, I probably would have been pregnant. Yeah. And never set up smart. So you kind of think, well, that didn't happen, but actually this happened be- because of that, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life happens for a reason. And yeah, you try and, and I'm join a big up believer of that. Yeah, you yeah. join up the dots as life kind of progresses, don't you? So Aspire Jobs, January 2011. I, I remember the time you set it up and, you know, you, you're, I think because of the way in which, you know, you and Paul had dealt with the smart, you know, kind of demise, transfer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. transition of smart very much still both part of the business community and welcome with open arms I assume you got a welcome reception from everybody and yeah. everybody was like yeah. come on Helen come yeah. on come, yeah it was um, and actually I remember my first placement was made with a very old client of ours who's now retired who was very very loyal to, to me through my recruitment career and I literally was like yes I've made a placement like an invoice <laughs> and within two weeks she'd rung me and said I'm really sorry but I have to let her go and I'm like what why She's like, because she's not very good at Excel and she said she could do it. And I'm like, oh, my life, seriously. But I had clients that had literally followed me through my recruitment career and been very loyal through some not particularly nice stuff that got on with competitors towards the end of Smart. And that goodwill, like you say, in the business yeah. community, you like to think, I like to think if you treat people well, hopefully they... Yeah. You get that. You get back what you give, I mean, give don't you? That client loyalty and building those relationships have clearly been a skill of yours over the years. And as you say, people have followed you, Alfred Marx, into Smart, into Aspire, and, and other roles you have perhaps in between. Mm-hmm. What tips would you give to anybody starting a sort of you know recruitment or a business services business? So I suppose anybody in the way they rely on developing those client relationships. About any tips you'd give on building client relationships for longevity? It's about old-fashioned communication so you and it's about being honest yeah and if you don't understand something you ask and if you for us if we can't fill a role and we we're in a marketplace that i've never seen anything like it in 30 odd years where there's so many jobs and not enough people there are times where we can't fill stuff or it's taken us a lot longer not just ask for recruitment generally, taking a lot longer to fill to fill jobs. And it's about being honest, because if you're honest with people, they will respect that. But it is about, this is going to sound really cheesy, but it's about being kind and treating mm. people as you wish to be treated, because they will then refer you to other people. Yeah. And I get called all the time for jobs that I don't understand, perhaps really high-level IT jobs, and I'm like, straight over my head, don't understand job spec, what is the point? So yeah. I will then refer that to someone else. It's like, not, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you. It's like, actually, I know this person. They might be able to help you. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's not it's not difficult. It's it's basic common sense, I would say. Being human is what, Being you're, human, yeah. is what you're yeah, describing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, <laughs> we joke 2011, 2023. <laughs> still, 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 still here. Still here, still running a spy <laughs> job. You know. Has the business turned into what you wanted it to be? Yeah, I mean, I think when I first set it up, I thought maybe it'd have a branch of maybe four or five of us with some specialisms. I then met James. Um, we then got married. It was kind of like, actually, I've got a different focus. There's three of us. Becky's on maternity leave at the moment. Um, 
if I if I want to take on one, I will be taking on someone else. It will be a, another salesperson type yeah. recruiter. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't need it to be this huge massive yeah. business. We've built a really good, I think, reputation for ourselves, and we we compete with some of the bigger boys on some stuff. But we know our niche. We know yeah. our what works for us, and we know what clients work for us. Um, we're not we're not the right agency to fill jobs at LV or. JP Morgan or the, the biggies and actually I wouldn't want it because the margins are probably rubbish yeah um, so yeah we, we, we deal with that SME kind of businesses across Dorset and Hampshire there's plenty of that in the marketplace exactly yeah particularly in this market and I suppose we should perhaps go on to just touch on that you know just generally you know, recruitment you know post pandemic has been a real difficulty everybody thought the market might ease slightly did anything but it tightened where you see in the market right now in early 2023 and what's your prediction for the recruitment life. market? I think you say recruitment is difficult and recruitment is difficult and anyone that's tried to recruit, whether they're an agency or not an agency, any business, will well, we see that daily, don't we? However, I think we have to do it from a positive point of view and go, actually, it's jobs rich. Let's yeah. not do it from the candidate shortage point of view. If you'd said to me during the pandemic when it dropped off the edge of a cliff, literally, um, as it did for a lot of other businesses, that within 18 months you wouldn't be able to fill jobs, I would have laughed at you and said, don't be so ridiculous. Yeah. People are moving. Um, we have actually had our best year ever last year, but it is really, really hard work. And at the moment, and there's no there's no wood about for me to touch, I touch my head. Um, <laughs> at the moment, we're not seeing any sign of a slowdown. I think we're in a little bit of a bubble down here. Um, getting candidates has been tough over the last two weeks, but we're in Easter and it's Easter holidays. A lot of people yeah. are kind of off. Where that goes this year, I think we're we need to not talk ourselves into a downturn. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, something again on the news last night, and I kind of almost stopped watching the news because it just it doesn't it doesn't yeah. relate to what I see and what I hear. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. And I think you've also just got to realise if you are trying to recruit that you've got to be quick. You've got to understand the market. You can't procrastinate. You've got to understand that you might not get a choice of three or four people. You might not even get a choice of two. So, and recruit for um, attitude, yeah. not the skill, because you can train the skill yeah. for, for a lot of roles. Not everything, obviously. Attitude and attitude is definitely the success. I think I had when I grew Inspire was that that's, you know, when we were focused and we did it right, that's what we recruited on the basis of. Yeah. And um, it's hard because when there's a shortage of people... You kind of go, like, oh my goodness, is this the? It, it I'll take someone it? Yeah. just because I need to fill that desk. And actually, if that's the way you feel, you probably shouldn't do it because no. you'll probably regret it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people are moving, but what's happening is they're getting multiple job offers yeah. and they're changing their minds. And I think that's the big thing is that people have realised that actually rec- recruitment's pretty hard, and you're dealing with people. It's not like you're selling a widget and you want fifty of them and off yeah. they go and thank you very much, you get paid. You want a member of staff and then they give the notice in and then they get counter-offered or they've still got their CV on a job board and they've mm. forgotten to take it down and they're getting called by other agencies. You know, there's a whole mix of of stuff that can potentially fall out of bed, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to that whole thing of our communication. And my my mantra is if a client or a candidate, because we have we have two clients effectively, yeah. so if a business or a candidate or job seeker has to chase us about anything, we, we've failed. 
So great philosophy. You know, if we've sent a CV last week and it's Easter and we haven't had a response, we'll just send them an email on Thursday and just tell them it's not difficult. No. There's two of us in the office at the moment. If we can do it, yeah. then everybody else can. But it's the biggest compliment we get of wow, your communication's great, you keep us updated. Yeah. And that's that old fashioned customer service. That comes back to yeah, again, yeah. I suppose it's doing business in a modern world in nearly that old fashioned yeah. kind of approach. Yeah, yeah, trying of, to of proper values yeah. and yeah. relationships and communication and all those good things. I love that phrase, don't think about it as being candidate short. Yeah. Think about it jobs as being rich. jobs jobs rich environment. Yeah. And you know on LinkedIn last year, um, the hashtags and stuff and people putting candidate short and I'm like, no, come on, we've got to get we've got to get in a more positive mindset about yeah. this because of course you can sit there and go, Oh my God, like I haven't got any people but that's not what a client pays you no. pays you for. No. And sometimes you've got to be honest because you yeah. can't you can't just as my old boss used to say to me, you can't nip people, you can't pluck people out of thin air but but you can continue looking mm. and keep them updated and be honest with them and you know, we're only working exclusively with new with new and lapsed laps clients now where we've got exclusivity for, for a couple of weeks to allow us to do our jobs properly. Because what's happening is job seekers are getting 20-odd calls a day yeah. by recruiters and they're getting texts and they're getting WhatsApp and they're getting LinkedIn messages and emails. They can't, they can't keep up. No. So we need that time to be able to call them, stalk them, do whatever, you, whatever it is you say. But you get to a point where you're like, right, I've tried four or five different times now they're not responding I need to move on move on yeah and I I suppose we talk, again you mentioned it there but how's the world changed in your 30 years in recruitment <laughs> in terms of technology you mean you, oh you my start goodness. about you know the typewriter and the yeah. tech and we all remember those office days to where we are now I mean it's night and day yeah you know you Thursday afternoon on the Echo would be 30 40 pages long of job ads would, wouldn't they have forgotten that and we would literally sit and cut out the adverts and stick them into a scrapbook and literally then that would be my job to sit and ring those clients to say you're looking for a member of staff can we help you um literally and then it it you know internet came along and it's all done online now and that's great but people don't always understand how those online job boards work particularly from what recruiters pay for and how recruiters work with them but yeah complete complete switch in a good way you know Mobile phones. We used to we used to spend a fortune at Alfred Marks with Southern Dispatch motorcycle couriers, where we couldn't get older people and they didn't have mobile phones and you needed them for a temp job to start the next day. You'd literally phone up Southern Dispatch and they'd come and pick up a postcard and then go and put it through someone's door. That I mean seriously, <laughs> really, yeah. Whereas now, you know, you've got text, like yeah. I said, WhatsApp, WhatsApp everything, message. email, LinkedIn, <laughs> so everything. many forms of messaging yeah, exactly. you can't keep up with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah, and um. Loving this conversation and and, it, and it's so wide and varied. And I want to touch on the fact that, you know, you're a big part of the you know, business community in Dorset. You've been an ambassador for the <laughs> more, Chamber more years since 2006. There's a lot of loyalty here. You yeah, there is. And I, yeah, I, so I am a really, really loyal person. And I expect that back from my friendship group, yeah. from my business contacts and... I'm a Scorpio, so some people will laugh at this, but I am a very typical Scorpio. James puts no, he just laughs when I say this, but there's only so much you can push me. Mm. And then if you push me too far, that's it. You're gone and you're kind of... You're out. Out, never to be spoken to again. Um, and that, that I'm a big believer in doing business locally yeah. and fostering those relationships and 
um, bringing the bringing the youth and yeah. the future leaders through. Um, and and I've chosen to do that via via Dorset Chamber for a, for a long long time. Yeah. And that goes right back to the almost. I suppose a little bit of the Alfred Marts of Deco days, but certainly the early days of Smart. You know, yeah. we became sort of premier partners of the chamber at that time, and um, yeah, stayed involved. Yeah, and it's you know, it's a lot of it's fun. You know, do a lot of networking. There's other stuff that the chamber do, obviously, which is really really important. But there will come a time, and I've said this to Ian and the team at the chamber. You get revoted on, as you know, every sort of three years, and it's horrible. And there will come a time where I don't get voted on and I don't know quite how I'm going to feel about that, if I'm brutally honest. <laughs> I think maybe I should jump before I'm pushed. <laughs> oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I've just literally, I'm just um, going to my first meeting tonight to potentially get involved with sort of age concern over in West Dorset because I'm a, you know, not having children myself. I'm mm. a firm believer that people shouldn't be lonely at whatever age. Yeah. And, you know, we do that with our christmas gifts and stuff we don't do christmas cards from from james and i personally we would rather give the money to the homeless or 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 the elderly because it's horrible so yeah it's that that's a different angle for me of kind of yeah giving back giving something back both to the business community and the wider yeah and also i've just become part of the board for um employment advisory board for guys marsh prison at shaftesbury so it's part of the timpson foundation um which philip war is is heading up locally um and it's about giving prisoners that are about to come out mm. the skills and the confidence to go out and get a job wow um so that's kind of early days of that but yeah, yeah we've got big jobs fair next week at the prison so it's it's, it's a real eye-opener but um yeah you know it's you i think i think most people not everybody but most people deserve a second chance in life and absolutely you know it's about yes, yeah, but like you say, it sounds really trite about giving back, but and I don't do as much as I did because my life's changed and I'm busy. But yeah. you know, like you say, it's not just about the business stuff; it's the stuff that's personal to me as well. Yeah. So anybody listening to this, uh, you know, not just Dorset Chamber, but they you know listeners all over the country and mm-hmm. most of the world. Mm-hmm. But anybody listening to this, and you know, why should they get involved in their local chamber? I think it's about camaraderie it's about support being a business owner as you know can be very lonely even if you've got fellow directors um and i think that again dorset chamber the gu6 initiative they've got set up that is actually about supporting business leaders because business leaders support their teams Mm. but who supports the business leaders and so i think it's it's just a great way to get to know actually what's going on in your local marketplace and actually what what other businesses are out there because I mean, okay, we're in Dorset, but we've got some some real, you know, Farrow and Ball. Who whoever would have known mm. that Farrow and Ball started in Dorset, this global brand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's Sunseeker. He, yeah. We've got there's loads, aren't there? Incredible they? businesses. Yeah. Based down here, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So throughout this, you know, and I'm I'm obviously know you, Helen, and I know the backstory and I know all of that. But one of the things I admire about you is your ability to put a smile on to get out there <laughs> and you know engage be present and do all of those things so and the listeners to this episode will hear the resilience that you've had throughout your time so can i just ask you some tips that from you on being resilient and yeah how and you're i, so I had to really think about this i think 
for me personally, it's about, I've got quite a large friendship group in that I've still got friends from 30 odd years ago when I started in my recruitment career that are still really good friends. Um, So I think for me, it's about having those, not necessarily interests at work, but having that circle that you can talk to. Um, I think it's about learning from your experience. And I think it's about believing in your confidence that you can actually do something. Yeah. That's, I guess, for me, what resilience means. Okay. And like you say, slapping on a smile, and you might not necessarily feel like that. Yeah. But it's, you know, when you've got other people in a business sense, when the business was kind of in trouble, we had 70 people whose mortgages or rent mm. relied on the three of us. Yeah. You can't, no. well, you can sink or swim, can't you? Yeah, you can't hide at that point. And, can you? and I guess for me, it's like, well, I'm going to do everything I can. At least then I can sort of sit there and hand on heart say, yeah. I did everything that I possibly could. The other thing that comes out of this conversation is you're, you've got this strong value set yeah. that drive you, haven't you? Yeah, completely. Loyalty is, a, like I said earlier, loyalty is a massive one for me. And I remember when I had my 50th a couple of years ago and we had a big party because James and I were 50 in the same year, so we had a 100th party. And my mum said to me, gosh, there's people here that you have known for 30 odd years. That's incredible. Mm. And I'm like, is it? I don't. I don't think it is, um, and it's and different friends come into your life. I, I'm a firm yeah, believer yeah. that different people come into your life for different times. So there's different reasons. Some people well. that I don't necessarily see now that I would have seen a lot of in the past. You know, Paul. Paul was my work husband. Yeah, and <laughs> he's got a different life now. And we we see each other and we speak to each other, but it's not twenty four seven like it used to be, yeah. because our lives have moved on. So, um, yeah, it's you know. I think you just got to learn from from everything that's thrown at you. Definitely. And on that subject of learning, what do you think the best piece of advice uh, you've ever received is? Well, I said it th- twice now. I'm going to say it again. Turnover is vanity. Profit is sanity. You've learned that one. One of the ones um, in the last few years, I actually did a recruitment course, which might surprise a lot of people. But <laughs> really? it was. I kind of. I had some some situations at Spire that knocked my confidence probably about four or five years ago. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing with this. And I got recommended to do this course. And (laughs) I met the lady online and literally burst into tears. And I was like mortified. And they have a saying of JFDI, which is just do it. Yeah. And actually, that's a really good kind of, you know, just just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, you can fail a bit, but at least you've tried. Definitely. Um, So that, yeah, that would be my two, I think. Perfect. And, you know, we started the conversation talking about you, you know, coming out of that hotel catering course, <laughs> not knowing what to do. But if you could go back and talk to the Helen of, at age 16, 17, 18, whatever it was, what would be your words of wisdom and advice you'd give that? Don't name? have a perm in the 80s would be definitely one. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think it would be to have the belief and confidence that whatever life throws at you, whether it's personal stuff or business that you you will come out of it and you will hopefully come out of it stronger yeah um yeah i think it's that resilience again coming yeah through. i guess i mean you don't i don't know i don't necessarily i don't necessarily think about things really really deeply i kind of just very much i'm quite a black and white person um and i think that for me if i look back a long time ago that would be look you can do this yeah. you know and you will get Believe through it yourself. yeah and you'll have times of real stress in the business that you look back on and actually think oh really yeah I thought that was really stressful but actually it wasn't no um and it wasn't going to break the business or personally or whatever it is so 
It's interesting, isn't it? That kind of benefit of hindsight. Oh. You know, either kicks you in the teeth or makes you yeah. sort of reflect on why did I worry? Why did I stress? Yeah. So much. Yes. Know, life turn, can turn out. Okay. Yeah. And, and you have, there's only so much you can control in life, isn't there? And, you know, we, we all go through different things, whether it's health or business woes or, you know, whatever it is. And you just, you just got to try and deal with it in the best way that you can. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You've listened to the podcast. You know what this final question is going to be. Um, you know, what's your personal definition of success, Helen? I would say that my, I think it changes as you get older, perhaps for some people, for me. My, this is going to sound again very like oh, cheesy. I think if you don't have your health, you you, you know, you, that's, well, we know. Yeah. Um, I think you need to be happy. And I think... Um, success for me is about having that work-life balance to be able to do the things that I want to do and to travel now while I have my health um, and enjoy life Brilliant, because it's too short fantastic and that whole journey you've been on has brought you to that point as you're saying it would have been a different different definitely been a different definition in those early days of smart oh completely yeah you know back in the day when I had the the nice cars and the, you know, I'm driving a little Fiat 500 now. I don't care. I don't, do you know what I mean? I <laughs> yeah. do half a mile to work and I come and see lovely people like you, which is like, you know, 15, 18 miles. I'm not traveling those. Yeah. I don't need those status symbol things that perhaps I thought I needed yeah. back in the day. Life's you know? come a lot simpler. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that comes with age. Immaturity. Yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Helen, I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been great. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while because I, I knew your story I knew that story of resilience thank you in the passionate and honest way in which you've shared it um, it's been great to have you on the podcast if people want to know more about you and importantly more about Aspire Jobs where can they go? they can go to Aspire Jobs website which is literally just aspirejobs.co.uk and Warren thank you for asking me because this has been a, quite a journey that I've been on over the years and for me to be able to sit here now and talk about it without getting upset and stuff is quite a, it's quite yeah. a big thing. But it's also, yeah, thank you for that. But, so, and it's really important that people do share these stories because we see the rah-rah, don't we, so often in the uh, press and the media and particularly on social media and yeah. LinkedIn. But the reality is you can succeed in business but it isn't always going to be that smooth journey. And it's only when people like you, Helen, step up to the plate and tell the honest story... Yeah that people realise actually they're not alone no, exactly. and there's help out there yeah, exactly. and there yeah. can be a, yeah. there's a future. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why when you asked me, I was like, absolutely, I'll do it because I'm not frightened of shying away from saying, well, we did this wrong and we did this yeah. wrong. But, but, but great you learn success along the way yeah. and you learn along the way. Yeah. Helen, thank, thank you, you for being an incredible guest. Thanks, Warren. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvedmembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.